Thanks for tuning in to the Glossy Podcast. I'm your host, Jill Manoff, and today I sit down with Andy Falshaw, co-founder and CEO of 12-Year-Old Bellroy, the Australia-based accessories brand specializing in carry goods. Since launching with a single wallet, Bellroy has grown to become a $300 million brand, selling 82 products, including oh-so-hot sling bags. I wanted to ask Andy how the pandemic impact of everyone staying home affected the business and to what extent the focus on materials, innovation, and responsible practices have shaped the company. Welcome, Andy. Uh, It's great to be here, Jill. Thanks for having us. Thanks so much for being here. Uh, We were just chatting. You're in Australia, the wee hours of the morning. Tell me how you normally start your day. It's not on the phone, I bet. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, Yeah, it's... It really depends on the timing. Uh, we move around a little, but uh, it's it's if I'm down in our Bell's office, it's with a surf if I can before work. We're down based on the surf coast near Bell's Beach, Australia. So um, pretty divine area to wake up and sort of experience nature that way. And then um, come into the office. We've got a design studio in Bells Beach and then an office in Melbourne, which is about an hour and a half away. So most of the days of the week, I'm down in Bells and then uh, one or two days a week, I'll go up to the Melbourne office. Um, yeah, we, we try and do in person where we can. So most of our crew these days are sort of three or four days a week in the office. Um, and sometimes it's travel as well. So yeah, it's a good stuff. way to start the day. For sure. Well, happy early morning. But um, tell me about, I, I mentioned you, you launched with a wallet. Um, what was your, I guess, let's say your founding story. What was your intention going in? What were you looking to do with the brand? Oh, yeah. So um, in 2009, we actually launched Carryology, which is a blog platform events that are exploring better ways to carry. And our thesis was that when folks move around the world, they generally become more interesting folks. It broadens perspectives, it helps them see the world through different lenses. And so we'd seen that there were many brands playing in related spaces. You'd have travel brands or you'd have bags and accessories brands. But we could see that there was this concept of carry, um, the things you have with you as you move. And so we wanted to bring a community around that theme and really explore those ideas of how to carry better. And as you move through the world with less friction, less encumbrance, you generally can experience more in the moment. You can feel better about where you're going. You can broaden friendships. So In 2010, we launched our first product, which was five slim wallets. And at that time, um, when we looked at the carry space, wallets were really obviously broken. They were bulky and cumbersome. They were sticking out like massive lumps in pockets. People were sitting sideways on them and chiropractors were getting lots of work. And so we re-engineered the wallet from the ground up to think about how to bring bulk out of it, how to improve functions. Um, and the wallets was just a starting point. We, uh, but they took off. They found incredible resonance. That notion of slim wallets, which hadn't really been a focus before then for brands, um, grabbed hold. And so we had a few years of rocket ship growth on that. But our intention was always to fill into the carry space and help people with all their 
we call them carry quivers, how they how they organise their things and move through the world. So then we extend it into phone cases and tech accessories, other things in the pocket. And then um, by 2017, we moved that into bags, backpacks, uh, things to go on overnight trips or weekenders. Um, and, yeah, since then we've just been expanding that notion of carry. Carryology as its own platform continues to just grow a huge audience and help connect communities and help people think about those things and then in Bellroy, we focus on carry products that we think we have genuine insight about. We can give a different experience. We can unite utility and joy into one piece. And so that that was the mission from a product and sort of category space perspective, I guess. And the other part to it is um, we've always wanted to add value in the world. And so carry uh, Bellroy in particular has always had a very strong mission on giving back, having impact, um, changing the space. And so for us, it was a way to bring a group of rad folks around and work on better ways to build a business, to give back, to contribute, to do some unique things in the world. And you're not just another brand saying that. I feel like you have... um... (laughs) support in terms of your B Corp status. I feel like that like kind of gets you through all the greenwashing that could have been done here. <laughs> but yeah, how important was getting B, um, becoming B Corp sort of certified? Was that a long time coming? Was that quite a feat to get there? And was that, yeah, a definitely oh, it, a goal? It's a great point. There's many businesses that will have noble values on the wall but might not live them truly day to day and for us when we set up b corp from uh, when we set up bellroy from very first day we had the b corp ethos however we hadn't we didn't even know about the movement in 2010 and what we did was we tried to set it up to have impact, to do good in the world. Uh, but we also saw, you know, we were coming out of an era where Enron had amazing values on the wall of respect and integrity and excellence, but you could see in practice that perhaps they lost target and drifted, um, to say the least. And so we were looking for an external validation that would be able to call BS if if we'd started to convince ourselves too much of things without really living through. So in 2014, we're great mates with many of the folks from Patagonia and they had said, hey, you know, we're loving our, our sort of involvement in this. You should look at it. And so we first certified in 2015 and have recertified each time since. For us, it was it was indeed an important part of just making sure we were actually living up to the things we were talking about and bringing in um, impartial external folks just to make sure it wasn't hollow words on the wall. Um, And we've loved being a part of that movement since. That's amazing. So tell me about Carryology and um, your own, I guess, brand community, how large it is. um, And if that community, like you, I think you mentioned travel and and the love of travel. Um, Is is a lot of that conversation around, yeah, where are you going? What are you doing? What's your adventure? What's happening? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So it it is a community that is so much beyond us. I, I think we planted the seed and then it grew from there. So we have millions of um, 
engagements, views. We have a community that is around the world and they do many things. They, uh, the site reviews products from all the great brands in the world. It gives advice, it curates things, it organises events that bring people together. Um, I, I think for us, we'd actually been inspired by the sneaker community way back in the day. And it had, it had gone from a number of people caring about sneakers, but quietly, to once Sneaker Freaker and many other publications built a campfire for folks to come around and discuss their passion. Um, it just snowballed and grew bigger and bigger. And we realised there was that opportunity for all the sort of bag and carry geeks out there to come together and learn better ways, learn from each other, build community. So there's events, there's um, collaboration products where we work with the great brands of the world to do elevated, unique pieces that, you know, sell out in about a minute is sort of the typical time, but um, sp allow brands to really dive deep and do uh, higher elevated versions of products that they might normally be scared to go for. But once we bring in this incredible audience, um, they can identify and recognize, you know, high level materials, better features, um, better looks, really interesting combinations they've never done before. Um, the community also spreads through events and brings like-minded folks together. There's a lot of trading and a, there's a really strong second-hand market that happens through that where instead of trying to sell a really sophisticated carry piece on eBay or something, now you get to see an audience that appreciate it. They know all the styles and models and so it keeps resale values much higher and that encourages folks to experiment more and try more interesting things out. So uh, it's it's contributors from around the world. It's a fascinating area and it, it helps brands also reach in and get incredible feedback because these are people that have tried, you know, the best carry goods in the world and they've they've built their calibration. And so when brands engage in that community, it lets them have very high level feedback about what they're getting right what opportunities there are to improve. Um, so yeah, it's, it, we love it. It's, it's, it's quite a unique group. For sure. I, I was on your, your site, Belroy's site. Well, they're both yours. <laughs> and I was, I saw the outlet section and I was like, I wonder if there's resale on there. And I understand it's like, um, it's yeah. Product you're phasing out is Belroy resale on Cariology. Yeah. So the way we do it, Cariology, um, if there's a, Facebook group, uh, Cariology Classified. And we actually built that to build that resale value for all carry brands, not just our mm. own. Um, and because of that, we haven't needed to build our own on Bellroy yet. It's certainly something we continue to look at. But with that, we find if you bring more people in and there's more things happening, then it's a much richer resale environment with um, more success, faster turnaround, those sorts of things. So um, we we don't, our outlet section on Bellroy's only limited things when we're maybe discontinuing a colorway or something like that. Um, we don't sell much product off price. It's 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 quite small, but then the classified area, the Cariology classified groups where the real resale happens. Yes. Well, outside of your brand community, let's talk about your own, I guess, 
founder brand leader community. You mentioned kind of rubbing elbows with Patagonia or having a contact there to kind of bounce ideas off of. Um, and I know I always mention Huckberry because I'm such a fan. I know you guys have collaborated uh, with them. Huckberry. Yeah, um, but them. yeah, who makes sense to align yourself with or to, is there a network that that talks sustainability, that talks responsibility and what what brands are doing, where you can learn from, I guess? Yeah, I, I think, I think there's many communities and um, one of the things that is incredibly, um, I guess, like heartening to think about is the amount that brands are willing to collaborate in what they often call the pre-competitive space, which sustainability and giving back often fits that space. So, um we have several. So Leather Working Group is a sustainability-focused group in the um, leather industry, and there's phenomenal brands working there. Um, we help coordinate an animal welfare group that um, is working on sort of improving animal welfare standards around the globe for leather. We then have friendships with so many great brands, um, both through Carology and through our own networks. Um, like, you know, Patagonia were folks that, you know, we'd always surfed with and skied with and sort of adventured with. And so they've been very generous. Um, the B Corp community has some really good events. There's a, there's a real openness to sharing best practice and learning through those um, and then there's just a lot of friendship groups that spring up amongst like-minded folks. You know, I'm a designer and engineer originally, and so many of the crew that, you know, I might have gone through college with or then um, worked at other brands with are now out at awesome brands themselves. And so we often get around and sort of mash minds around ways we might be able to have bigger impacts and share things. We have communities through some of our favourite suppliers, um, Groups like Natural Fibre Welding in Peoria, US, have just an incredible brand roster and we're all working to try and take their material platforms to the next level and express the potential in those. And so often you create communities around that and you share ideas. We've introduced many brands to NFW and then we'll jam around potentials of what could happen with those materials and what we're finding. So I, I think it's I think it's many networks and it, it's many great groups of just folks that care more about impact over optics, perhaps you could say. And so they're very willing to share learning and, and yeah, try and move things forward. That's awesome. Tell me about your US customer base. Is it a large percentage of your total? It is. It's our largest country um, for sales and customers, um, as well as even for the cariology audience. But um, we are a very global business. We sell in 150 countries each month. We have retailers in around 50 countries. Um, but the US is our largest market. It's it's such a great economy of a lot of people that care about products and engage with them. And so, yeah, it's a very important market for us. Nice. Well, tell me about, I guess, how the last two and a half years have changed your, I guess, distribution strategy. Um, are you in more retailers than you were? Are you? Did you pull back and focus more on direct? Oh, so 
I think from day one, we wanted to be an omni-channel brand. We, we always wanted to be where the customer felt most comfortable transacting with us and engaging with us. And so from day one, we were um, selling online, which wasn't that common back in 2010 um, to have sort of a, a proper website that properly went into videos and images and described things. Um, but we were also in you know, our favorite retailers around the world. Huckbury that you mentioned earlier was one of our very first e-commerce retailers. And, you know, we'd met Richard and Andy, the founders, um, and just, we were like minds. Um, we, we get along so well. And so that, that was an obvious choice and it's been incredible watching their growth. Um, as COVID hit, you know, brick and mortar had to, shutter um, in most countries and for different periods of time. And one of the things even our team did that just felt so good, we had a whole number of great boutique retailers that had built really strong brick and mortar businesses, but perhaps didn't have the same experience of selling online. And so our sales team was even helping many of them transition into how to get set up better for e-commerce. What does that look like? What are platforms that make sense? How do you curate audiences and communities through them? So um, we certainly saw many brick and mortar retailers um, having to take those steps into properly addressing e-commerce and building that aspect to their business. Um, for us, our own direct business has always been you know, a very significant chunk, the, the major chunk of our business. Um, we saw those percentages increase a little, but not that much for us. I think the strongest growth we found was um, we also sell through premium marketplaces around the world. So that might be Tmall in China or Rakuten through parts of Asia, um, Amazon in the US. We really saw those marketplaces grow significantly. And for us, we, we like to, you know, make sure the experience is right. So we're generally the only ones selling in those marketplaces. We, we encourage our retail base to sort of focus on their own sites rather than those marketplaces because we don't want chaos and noise and mad discounting everywhere. So we, um, we saw those marketplaces really strengthen and grow fairly significantly. But that, that wholesale base for us has always been important. It perhaps shifted a little more to e-commerce rather than pure brick and mortar, but it, it's, um, it's coming back well now. It's, it's strong. And I think folks like getting in store. Yeah, for sure. Oh my gosh, I as you're talking, I'm going ding ding. I totally forgot that we we cover your support of your boutique specialty store retailers um in terms of like you said, ensuring that they were thriving online, maybe where they they're not le less experienced. Um am I right? There was like a whole manual. <laughs> yeah, there was. You're right. Um and they're just little things like when we partner with folks, we want to find good folks and then we want to build real partnerships. We, we don't want that sort of hands-off transactional stuff. So um, when, when you have the team we do, you've worked some things out about how to, how to sell online and how to share online and build communities. And so any way we could help there, we wanted to. Your own stores, is that, is that happening in Australia or is that in the plans? Um, we, we all, we've always thought about it. And, um, years ago we actually ran a cariology 
um, pop-up store that was a huge success in terms of um, folks would travel from around the world to come and experience the best carry brands. And we learned a lot there. And one of the things we learned was how hard it is to do brick and mortar retail really well. Um, I think there's a lot that try, but when they, it's a whole different experience set. And so I think what we're seeing now, we have some great partners, especially in Asia that help represent our brand there. And they're doing more shopping shops and concession stands and, and they're working really well. Um, they're finding huge re-engagement. They're finding really good um, sell-through. And so I, I think people coming in and getting to experience the whole quiver of Bellroy Goods and how they work together. So it, it's it's always been in our consideration set, but I think we deeply respect the skills it requires to do brick and mortar properly. And so I think it, it's not yet for us, um, but who knows, we might find the right partners in the near future and, and give that a red hot go. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of talk about the importance of, I think you mentioned it, physical retail for, I guess, feeling, touching, really understanding the products for products like yours. I would think that's important, but also uh, having been on your site and poked around a bit, I mean, the way that you're able to, I guess, explain, showcase, picture, like I, I get a very clear sense of how the product or how the wallet kind of like almost snaps open, but not I, <laughs> anyway, it's just like, it seems I get it. And it seems I, I get the effectiveness, like why it's valuable and why it's different. Um, Talk to me about what goes into, I guess, carrying that through online? Oh, yeah. So um, we never do sort of generic us to product. Um, for us to design a style, we have to feel like there's a gap in the world somewhere. And, you know, we have we have an insight that can create a different product experience. And so that means many of our products are a little different to what you see out there typically. And that means you can't just bang a couple of shots on site and expect people to understand it. So from the earliest days of Bellroy, we realized the ability to storytell the intent of the product, the way it works, why it's different, why that might benefit you in different ways. It was such a vital piece for sort of representing the designer's sort of goals and intents with the product. So we we built those capabilities in-house from very, very early years. And, um, you know, the stop motion videos that um, have many folks doing similar things these days, but ours ours still just have this great personality. It's done in-house. The storytelling around taking, um, you know, recycled feedstocks and how we re-yarn those and build them out. We've just always wanted to have a fun, engaging way to take people through the idea and the intent and and what it might be like to experience a product. So it starts from very early in a project's brief. Um, how we work very closely between creative teams and product design teams and we frame it, we, we try and bring the idea of the product to life through fun, engaging ways. And I think if you want to make products that are a little bit different, it's a very core competency to actually do justice to them is that ability to storytell online. Yeah. Tell me where you're storytelling, where you're marketing, where's your marketing budget going nowadays? Yeah. So um, 
I, I think we we have you know we sell around the world, and so we we have great partnerships with various ad platforms to um, do those things um, and and help introduce the ideas of the product to folks. But then we also you know, want more than just selling product. We want communities, we want um, re-engagement. And so a lot of it goes into the storytelling and the content that can then spread through different channels. Um, things like karyology are quite a unique approach. We, we certainly find lots of folks that um, engage in that with a love, discover Bellroy and then start to sort of re-engage with Bellroy. Um, we do much less events. You know, we'd started to play with those pre-COVID and that, that became much trickier. So more online actions there. Um, and then we, we also support some really interesting folks living unique lives in the world. And, and over the next month or two, some of that will start to escape from sort of behind the scenes and uh, you'll start to see more of these um stories of folks living lives that we think are adding value to the world. Uh, I think in the coming month or two, you'll start to see some pretty fun stuff around that as well. Tell me about, gosh, I would think that once you have a customer, they bought one product. What do you know about loyalty, repeat customers? What can you share there? Yeah. So, you know, we began with wallets as our key focus and it, it, it seems a bit silly for a business to do this, but we tried to make wallets that last a really long time and, you know, used and loved for as long as possible. And so the repeat customer base was trickier in the first years because we'd, we'd introduce this new concept of a slim wallet to folks, they'd buy it, they'd love it. And then you pretty much served for the next while. Some would come back and buy gifts. You know, they loved it. They'd buy gifts for loved ones, but it was trickier. Um, and so we had to build a very lean operation to understand how to, you know, find people, stoke them, and then you might see them again in three or four or five or six years' time. Um, but as the product range filled out, they started to find that those same ideas and approaches and values we were putting into um, the first product they engaged with, we, we then thought about that in work accessories or in tech products or in bags. And so what we see now is that customer re-engagement's growing at, um, you know, over 20% year on year where more and more they, they discover one product, want an experience like that in another area, they might realise they can sort of improve their carry geekery in and um so they'll re-engage and now now people are building whole quivers of bellroy um where they they just fall in love and they might buy some interesting pouches to go in their bag and then a phone case that holds some cards and then that might work really well with the keys they organize in their pocket alongside the phone case and so we, we just have some really strong growth in that re-engagement at the moment as we fill in our categories and, and they all work synergistically together. Yeah, you, you're doing some smart things. I tell you what, again, I was on your site and I'm like, there is such a white space for what you have, which is a, sh a nice chic looking laptop case. Like I cannot find anything for the life. <laughs> I was like, for the life of me when I was shopping, I'm like, I hate all of them. But um, tell me about, I guess, first of all, your male versus female. Do you have a growing um, women consumer base? Yeah, spot on. Well observed. So um, 
the first focus for us had been slim wallets. And the reality was that was more advantageous for more of the male population who were carrying wallets in pockets. Um, They noticed the slimness better. And so our earliest audience skewed more towards um, folks carrying wallets in pockets, which was generally male. But um, we've always wanted to be a genderless brand. You know, our our crew are 50-50. Our product ideas aren't intensely masculine or intensely feminine we we always wanted you know a fairly minimal refined aesthetic and that suits a genderless audience um and so every year the female percentage grows significantly you know it was about two-thirds male one-third female but it's it's now um closer to even we're sort of narrowing the gap quickly um and as we design we're always trying to avoid too overt masculine signaling or too overtly feminine signaling we're we're trying to just find great classic products that should stay in style for years to come and so that lets us really try and create products for all genders yeah, that makes great sense. Tell me about lockdown or and when travel bans were happening. And I mean, was the wanderlust that everyone had enough to kind of keep you guys moving along? No, it wasn't. It was <laughs> uh, the, the first months of COVID were pretty scary, actually. You know, a carry brand helps folks move seamlessly around the world from work to play, near to far. And that folks stopped moving. Um, and so the first few months were quite scary. We were launching a new range of travel bags in April 2020. Um, you know, that campaign went on pause. Um, we were really focusing on the larger carry stuff and and the larger bags and things just stalled for all brands. Um, we could see it through Carology, through conversations. But what we have at Bellroy is a pretty amazing culture of um, smart folks with good intentions who can get shit done and and so they all tackled that challenge and said well there's still other things we can solve for folks and so we pivoted we focused more on technology um just as you described looking for a great laptop sleeve you know something a bit more stylish something interesting but that still protected your device we all started to live on technology um through more of the day than we really wanted to and so We had opportunity to create better products for that stuff. Um, We, people started having to carry, you know, face masks and sanitizer around. And so our crossbodies, we we had a range of slings and crossbodies that just really took off through that space. And so, well, the first couple of months were pretty scary. Um, The team pivoted, they they looked for green shoots and and very quickly we got back to growth. And um, as folks are emerging from sort of <laughs> hibernation, um, things are looking pretty rosy for us right now. All that work we did to fill into the other categories quickly is paying off. That stuff's still going great. But now people get to travel again and explore different cultures and places. And that's that's certainly good for a carry brand. At last, yes. So are you on the state of the company? Would you say you're back to pre-COVID levels above that? No, we 
we actually grew right through COVID, which nice. many of our competitors didn't. So even even with that initial challenge, um, we still managed to grow well through that year. Um, and now now we're back to some very strong growth figures that are equivalent to how we were growing pre-COVID, maybe even a touch better. So, um, yeah, things are looking good now. Good. What about fundraising? What's been going on to date? Yeah, so uh, Bowery was self-funded. Um, my co-founders, Matt and Lena, um, and myself had put in a small amount of capital and we had... Um, because we'd found that product market fit early and the resonance early, we could actually self-fund, you know, spectacular years of growth, many, many hundreds of percent growth um, for many years. And we were very proud of that. We've, we've always been quite a disciplined um, business uh, and then uh, a, a brand that tries to bring excitement, but always with discipline. And we didn't want to buy customers at loss. We we wanted to build a business that could support a great brand. Um, so we actually, we did our first external fundraising in 2017, 2018, and we didn't need to, but we were getting to a size with so many categories growing so quickly that we wanted some experienced folks to who'd just been through these sorts of stages before to help guide us. And so we raised a, a small amount back then. All the money went into the business, but it's it's um we you know we it was nice having that coming into COVID years and having a little bit extra buffer um, that the brand we didn't have to stand folks down. We could you know keep the team together. We could take the risk. We we could back ourselves to innovate our way out of it, and so. That was the only fundraising. The, the business is it's a strong business. So um, so far, we're yeah we're we're doing well. Um, and those investors we bought on have, have really done what we hoped, which was bring some really good experience to the table, some really good insight, and um, and yeah, we all work pretty well together. Well, tell me about what growth looks like from here. Um, does it mean further category growth? Does it mean more, more reaching more markets, um, expanding globally? Um, I love regarding category growth that you guys have these, I guess, kind of in-house labs where you're doing a lot of uh, iterating and perfecting um, more so than others on your products that you roll out. But yeah, tell me what's next. Yeah, so, uh, you know, we think of ourselves as a carry brand. And while that term wasn't really getting used before carryology, it's, um, it is some nice boundaries for us. So we're not going into perfume, you know, we're not going into um, areas that we consider outside of that carry scope. Um, but we certainly still have a lot of work to do. The categories we're in, we just, we're learning at such a rapid rate. You described those in-house labs, like our designers and development team can um, conceive of a product, um, cut it, sew it, bond it, laser cut it, build really beautiful um, functioning prototypes that we can then um, sort of pass through the team, start circulating with test pilots, build feedback. And so, as we do that um, with those skills in-house, you know, world-class pattern maker, like incredible design skills, we get to keep pushing on the edges of how we can unite that sort of utility and delight together into a, a sort of nice product. So we still have so much work to go there. Um, 
But you can see the carry categories we speak of. I think, you know, there's other things we could do in travel. There's there's other areas, but a lot of what we're doing is going back and refining and improving and, and bringing all that learning we're doing each month back into improving each of the products we do. So from a product category sense, I think it'll be in carry. There's a few more opportunities. We just recently released, for instance, some cooler bags that um, can compress down and live in, you know, the back seat of a car or in another bag. And then they're almost like a puffer jacket. They sort of grow and fill out to insulate goods when you get home. And we've got market totes that just help you do the weekend shop. And um, so there's other carry categories in there where we've started and they're resonating. So I think we can do some more things in those spaces. Um, we already have a very global footprint, but certain markets, you know, we're doing better in than others. And some markets, we're still fairly new to them in terms of really being well represented. So I, th I think there's just, there's a huge amount of opportunity. I think people are realizing what we're making, it's resonating. And so I, I think it's a lot of what we've been doing, but continuing to get it better and better and better and share that with a wider audience. As you're talking, I'm like, I am listening, but I'm determined to come. I was like determined to come up with a product, a carry-all, some, something that you don't have that I want to come up with. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, but anyway, I'll let you know. Oh, <laughs> uh, excellent. <laughs> um, but yeah, the sling bag, is that, are you seeing as much traction in that style as some other brands? Yeah. And, you know, the way we do slings is different to most other brands. They, um, the, as they go onto your body, they can um, flatten out a little if you're not carrying much, but then they can grow as you want to carry more. And the way we do access on some of our slings is very different. It's quite a unique way we arrange the zip that just makes it really spill open and give you great access and then close down and protect you against rainstorms or hail or anything else that might come at you. And so, um, yeah, that crossbody business is it's so relevant. Um, it's, you know, in intensely urbanized cultures, like you often see in Asia, um, they, they've always had a strong presence. And I think many other, you know, North America and Australia and the UK, they're discovering the joys of a, a small bag like that, that can fit cleanly around your silhouette, but carry all your essentials plus a few extra bits. And so it, it's it's certainly a great area. And, and I think our innovations are resonating in that space. So it is, yes, it, it, it's a good space for us. Right on. Well, this was so good, Andy. I have to ask last question. What's your next adventure? Where are you going? <laughs> oh, awesome. Well, I've actually just got back from one. Um, I got to go and explore some waves that don't get surfed that often. Um, and so Whoa. I'm just back from one. And right now, all I want to do is spend more time around my family and sort of <laughs> thank them for that. I, I don't normally take holidays without the family. And I, I snuck a quick one out and got to have a real adventure. So at the moment, it's actually back to just um, the joy of being around family and loved ones. And I, I think I'll give myself at least a month or two before I start planning the next one. <laughs> well, sounds amazing. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you again. This was great. Oh, thanks so much, Jill. And thanks for all you share. Uh, many of us learn a lot about what's happening around the industry, the space, the world with um, your audiences. So thank you for all that you do there. Thank you. That's all for this episode. Our theme music is by Otis McDonald. 
Be sure to give us a rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to The Glossy Podcast. See you next week.